Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Don't slip. <laughs> yeah, we made the best kind of mess up front, right? <laughs> Amen. I got to say, if you, if God's still moving in your heart, it's never too late. I'll stay here. Uh, till next week, baptizing, baptizing anybody you can think of if the Lord's moving. I mean, that's the dream, right? <laughs> we just uh, just keep refilling it and uh, believing for what God's going to do. Excited. I want to jump right into the Word of God here this morning. And honestly, at the end of service, you want to get baptized, it's time. Let's do it. Let's do it. But I want to jump right into the Word of God in John chapter 6 verse 35 and just read this to you this is going to be our center point here this morning it says this as Jesus said to them I am the bread of life whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst look at that again he says I am the bread of life Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Let's pray together this morning. Are you expectant this morning for what God's going to do and continue to do? Are you thankful that the Spirit here is moving this morning? Amen? Let's pray together then. Holy Spirit, we just yield all of our heart and our attention to you. We give you permission to move in every way. We thank you that you are alive and active, that you are alive in your word, in the word of God, and that you're speaking to us. And so we say, Spirit, move. We pray, awaken hearts of your people. God, move the hearts of your people to a moment to not simply be informed by the word of God, but to be transformed by the word of God in every possible way. So we praise you, mighty God, for what you have done, for what you are doing, and what you will do to the spirit at work in your church, in your name. Amen. Amen. I made myself a really random goal this year, and it was that by the end of the year, my it's kind of a weird goal, we'll see if it works out, is I only want to eat bread that I make. Uh, and I know that's a really weird goal, but it's because I, I try to think sometimes in terms of goals, not just uh, in what I want to do, but who I want to be. And so I was thinking, how do I become a person of greater margin, of greater uh, intention in my life, of patience? And I learned by trying to make bread that bread is a great way to learn that. Because if you've ever tried to make bread, then you know there's one thing you cannot rush, and that's bread. Yeast is no respecter of persons, right? You could be the richest person on the earth, and yeast will not rise any faster for you. It doesn't care, right? You can threaten it. You can stay dab it with a knife, right? Like, there's nothing you can't do. Like you can like breathe on, I don't know. It just, it will just do what it needs to do. And so there's a sense of time and rhythm, things that, that, that take time. And I, I've learned that that filters into a lot of areas of, of my life, right? I mean, think about it when it comes to relationship, right? Think about when it comes to church fellowship. Oftentimes we say, I want relationship, but we, what we mean is I want something for me right now. But what we really mean is I want fellowship, which means I want to be a part of something, which means I need to invest in something. If you want relationship tomorrow, you have to invest in fellowship today. And you can't rush it. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. You can't rush friendship. In fact, might say it kind of hurts it sometimes. 
But so much of that is true in our life that bread is a very predominant natural symbol of what God is doing in uh, the supernatural because in the world, really until postmodernism, uh, the, the idea of physical and spiritual was not separate. So there wasn't an idea, that even though there is a spiritual realm and a physical realm, there wasn't an idea that there was all the stuff we do that's physical and all the stuff we do that's spiritual. They were seen as linked, which is why we pray, right? That's a physical act of talking, but it is spiritual. Prayer is spiritual. That's why we fast. That's a physical act of not eating, and it has physical uh, uh, benefits for our body and spiritual benefits for our soul, they're linked. They're not separate. And so the, the idea of, of bread being a sign and a lesson was something in the physical but pointed to the spiritual. It wasn't a separate truth or a separate idea. It was something that was linked together, and it meant life. It meant life. Bread meant and still means life. And so Jesus, in verse 35, is teaching about the bread of life. And this scripture sets right after something really cool that Jesus did with bread. And it sets in John chapter 6. If you have your Bible, just look briefly. We're not going to read through all John chapter 6, but it sits right after a powerful narrative in John chapter 6 where Jesus feeds the 5,000. This is probably one of the, the coolest functional uh, signs that occur in John as we read through the book of John because Jesus feeds what could be upwards of 20,000 if you count uh, more than just the 5,000 men. If you start counting women and children, upwards of 20,000 people. He feeds them with just five loaves of bread and two fish. So if you're keeping score, just the 5,000, that's about a loaf of bread per thousand people. So just imagine that you walked into ASU's hockey stadium where the Coyotes play. So the Arizona Coyotes play in a really cool stadium, but it's about 5,000 seats. And just imagine that someone walked out, Shane Doan came out on center ice. If you don't know hockey, this is not going to matter to you, but stay with me because you understand the next reference. He comes out with a Caniac meal from Raising Cane's. Right? And if you don't know what a Caniac meal is, it's like five pieces of chicken, and then you can, people sub-toast, so they get two pieces of toast. So essentially, yeah, yeah where are my toast brothers at? <laughs> That's what's up. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to die, die trying, right? Uh, and so... You have to imagine this scene where, where Jesus, the, the people are following Jesus. They want to hear what he has to say because he's speaking the truth. And people are attracted to the truth of Jesus Christ. There's a crowd that follows him, and they need to feed this crowd. And so Jesus kind of puts it on the disciples. He's like, okay, what are we going to do? And they say, well, all we have is this caniac meal. All we have is five loaves of bread and two fish. And he's like, all right, begin to break apart the caniac meal. I'm just saying that for perspective here. Break that apart and start handing it out to 20,000 people. And they do. And it does. And it multiplies and it grows. And it feeds all these people. Listen, the bread feeds everyone so that they are not only satisfied, but so that there's abundance. That's what God does. And so immediately after Jesus does exactly what you'd expect someone to do, he leaves. You're like, wait, no, that's not what I would expect someone to do, right? He leaves. 
It says in the word of God that they become excited about what he's done, how he's provided for them with the bread. And they say, we need to make this guy king because free bread. Where are my carbohydrate friends at? We know what's up, right? The Olive Garden exists for one reason only, and it's bread, right? <laughs> right? Free bread sticks. If they took that away, no one would go to Olive Garden. Right? So they're like, free bread. Let's follow this guy. But he disappears. And what we know from the word of God is there's one boat. He sends his disciples on that boat and then leaves. And then as if he has not showed what an absolute spiritual baller he is, he then walks on the water to them in that boat in the middle of the night. That's a powerful six hours right? And so what happens is the people who followed him there wake up and go like, wait a second, there was one boat and he wasn't on it. Where's he at? Right? Where is he at? And so they want to find him. Why do they want to find him? Because he made bread, pure and simple. Because he's a source of miraculous physical provision. And so here's what happens. John chapter 6, verse 22. If you brought your Bible, jump right there. John chapter 6, verse 22. If you're there, say amen. Man, you guys got there quicker than me. <laughs> on the next day, the crowd remained on the other side of the sea. Uh, oh, sorry. The crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. So they say, okay, wait a second. There's one boat. He wasn't on it. He has to be somewhere. It says, then other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So they're looking for the guy who made bread. They notice, they're like, wait a second, the boat's gone. He's not here. We need to find something. Some boats come near, and they said, yes, we're, 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 we're commandeering these. We'd like to go find Jesus now. And they take the crowd of people... I mean, this is commitment to the other side of the lake. A crowd of people like, okay, now we're going to go over there and we're going to try to find him. Because it's part of the truth, which is everybody's looking for Jesus. Even if they don't know it yet, everybody is looking for Jesus. Can I tell you, I know we're hard on this generation, but I got to say, I think this generation is asking the right questions, but they're just finding the wrong answer. They're looking for identity. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for meaning and value and reason, but they're being given the wrong answers by culture. And just like the pursuit of Christ, the, as a church, we need to be catalysts of the right answers of the truth for a generation of people who are seeking but maybe receiving the wrong answers. Not maybe, definitely receiving the wrong answer. And so they go over, verse 25, if you're still with me, say amen. It says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, imagine that picture, all these boats full of that crowd you saw yesterday, just like ready to go, like let's get over there. It says, when they found him, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the fill of bread. He said, listen, you're not here because you think that I'm the Messiah. You're here because you ate some good bread. And it was heavenly bread, right? So it might have been perfect bread. It was like the best bread they ever had, right? So would he, would he have made bad bread? I don't know. I doubt it, right? He's not going to multiply garbage. Like, ah, it's all right. It's a bit stale, Jesus. Next time, you know, let's go whole wheat. I got a gluten intolerance. Come on. 
So he says, you came because you had your fill of the bread. He said, you didn't come because you saw a sign. What's a sign? A sign is an act that is supposed to point us to God. It's something that is supernatural occurring in the physical world that is supposed to reveal something about the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ. He says they, they, they missed it. But also, Jesus recognizes something that is good and is good about Jesus, which is that he meets felt needs. That Jesus meets felt needs. In fact, so much so that he teaches his disciples to meet felt needs. He says, go out, care for people, right? Feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, right? He, Jesus is aware of felt needs. So everything I'm saying is not to say your felt needs are dumb. Jesus doesn't care about them. Move past it. Ascend and rise above them. It's to say that's like the baseline of his care. It's like felt needs. He cares. But there's something even greater that he wants to reveal. Something that will not fade, that will not pass away. See, you're going to eat and you might get hungry again, but he wants to give something even greater in the kingdom of God. So here's what he says in verse 27. He says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And they said to him, Verse 28 is great. They said, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Good question. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. We're like, okay, great. That's a confusing answer, okay? <laughs> That's a confusing answer, especially for the people of Israel who their whole life is about the law and about following God and obeying the law. What must we do? And he says, what you must do is believe in he who sent me, basically. Believe in God. They're like, I know, but what do we do? He's like, no, yeah, believe in me. They're like, yeah, but what do we have to do to earn that? And he's like, believe. And they're like, ah, no. Right? See, for us, if you grew up in a Western context, you're like, yes, all I need to do is whatever I want to do. If you grew up in an Israeli context, a Jewish context, a, a, a classical context, there, there would be an understanding that God is great and magnificent, and I am, I am not. And so it would be hard for them to picture, oh, relationship with a loving father. Even though that's in the Old Testament, it was hard for them to understand that. And so Jesus is saying, no, believe in me. And here's their response to that statement. He says, they said to him, fine, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe in you? So he says, believe in me. They say, what sign do you do that we may see and believe in you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it's written, quote, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Okay, wait. He says, you missed the sign because you ate the bread. And he says, I'll provide for you. And they say, great, what sign will you give? And he's like, were you all not with me yesterday? Right? <laughs> like literally 12 hours ago, I gave you a sign with bread. Right? They're like, well, you know, Moses gave us bread. Moses gave us bread. He's like, I know, and I also <laughs> gave you bread, right? There's a sense of that that I think is so funny how they're like, okay, God, but now you have to prove it. And he's like, did I not reveal it to you before? There is that kind of human nature, and it's like, what have you done lately for me, God? Right? Like prove that, that, that you know, you deserve us to follow you by what you do right now at our beck and call. And he's like, 
the reason you're over here is because I showed you a sign. So there's something where they're missing it here, where Jesus is speaking supernaturally and spiritually, and they're purely thinking physically. They're thinking in the, the physical sense of what he's doing and the physical hunger and the physical need. They're saying, well, Moses sent us manna from heaven that met our physical need. And Jesus is trying to get them to think beyond just the physical need to the spiritual need. Are you with me? See, often our eyes can be so locked in on the physical that we miss the spiritual and the supernatural that will actually bring breakthrough in the physical. But we're so focused right here that we don't, we, we begin to even close ourselves off to the principles and the attitudes of the kingdom revealed in our life. And he's saying, no, hold on. I, I'm trying to do something greater. I'm doing something greater here. And so here's what he says. He says, truly I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. They said, great, that sounds awesome. We would like that. And so Jesus replies to them in their searching, in their eagerness. He says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. It's a lot happening here, right? There's a lot, lot occurring, but I think it speaks to us today so clearly. Because here's the people of Israel who see bread as a symbol of life. It was a symbol of life in the desert when they were following God, when they were in literally in exile, almost a, a, a theological exile. They were not where they were. They weren't in the promise, but they were following God. They were following even the tabernacle. And in these moments, God sent to them a provision of bread from heaven. And bread is a symbol consistently. There's bread in the temple. There's this awesome moment where David and his men are hungry and they go into the temple and there's bread on the altar and he eats it. And he eats the bread that's on the altar. He's like, well, you know, it's from God and like we're sanctified and we love God. So like, arr, 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 like we're just going to get after this, right? And we'll eat it. And then later when uh, Jesus' disciples eat wheat and they're like, you can't do that. He's like, well, David ate the bread. And they're like, ah, good point. <laughs> you got a good point. Let's stone him to death, right? I was kind of there. That was their back and forth. If you haven't read the Bible, that was kind of how it goes with him. He says something meaningful, and they try to murder him until they succeed. And then he rises from the grave. That's, I just summed up the gospel for you, so you don't have to read it now. <laughs> Please read the word of God. <laughs> Please know that I'm joking. If you don't know I'm joking, and you comment on Google later, that pastor said that he didn't he doesn't want you to read the Word of God. I'm just going to send you a virus or something um, on your computer because you deserve that. You have a critical spirit. Um, <laughs> you're not going to last long here anyways if you have a critical spirit. And you just might as well just get out of your system now. Whew, move on. Anyways, so bread. <laughs> bread is a sign of life. It's been a crazy day. I baptized my daughter today. All this happened. We probably should have just altar called after Peter got baptized at the end of the day. But our hearts were ready. We moved on. I had to talk about bread, and I ruined it, Barry. We should have just stayed right there. You should have stopped me. This is why you're here. It's to lead us into the presence. <laughs> we got distracted. I've just been praying for revival. I just yeah, blew right through it. Anyways, <laughs> the bread of God. I love you guys. Thank you for being an amazing church. <laughs> oh, man. But the bread was a sign of life. It was a sign of provision. It was a sign of care from the Lord. It was a sign of a lot of things. 
the sign of life. And so here we have a people who are worried about their stomachs and they, they came for the bread. And Jesus said, yes, you came because you're now hungry again in the physical, but there's a greater hunger. And maybe you recognize it, maybe you don't, but there's a hunger in the spiritual. And so I'm going to offer you something in the spiritual, which is the bread of life. I'm going to offer you something for eternity, something that will not fade. See, the people that came had a physical hunger, and the people of Israel at the time had a spiritual hunger for, and I would say even a national hunger for a Messiah, for someone to rescue them, for someone to redeem them. But there was a very temporal sense in that, where it was right now, for this moment— but what Jesus came to do is a lasting, greater fulfillment to fulfill a greater hunger that lives in the human soul. That's why he says, right, verse 35, all who come to Christ shall not hunger and shall not thirst. See, he's, not, he's done talking about food now. He's talking about the spirit. Are you with me? He's talking about like Isaiah who said, those who come, come and eat, come and drink, those who cannot afford because the price has been paid for you by the Messiah. Come and receive and you will not go hungry. See, more than just bring provision, as great as provision is, Jesus came to be provision. See, Jesus didn't just come to bring you a sacrifice for your sins. He came to be the sacrifice for you and me for our sins. He didn't just come to bring you life. He is life. He didn't just come to bring it to you. He came to be it for you, the source of it, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that there's no other way to the Father. There's no other way to eternal life but through Jesus Christ. There are not many ways. There are not ways we alter. There are not things we change. There is one way, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he came for you. He's not holding himself back. He's here for you. He didn't just come to bring you hope and say, here's an example of hope. He came to be hope in your life today, right now for you. He didn't just come to show you love. He came to be love. He is love, and he's present with you. And so this is the most important thing. If you zoned out for anything, if you got distracted by any part, I apologize. Please hear this, that Jesus Christ came to bring eternal life for your soul. Scripture says all of creation is moaning and yearning for the return of God. In a summary of Blaise Pascal, it says, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. I love that word. I think it's an important word. There is a God-shaped vacuum. What does that mean? Like an emptiness, right? You think of the vacuum at your home, right? What does it do? It just sucks things up. But this vacuum, which is it's never full. It's always empty. It's like a black hole just... I'm going to fill it with money. It's gone. I'm going to fill it with people. It's gone. I'm going to fill it with a relationship. Well, that wasn't as fulfilling as I thought. It's gone. And maybe you can, you can fill it and satisfy that void for, for a minute or a moment. But in reality, there's a sense that though physical things are good, that the relationships are good, that though food is good, though success is good. Men, I'm so thankful for the men of God in this church who lead their families well and pursue caring for 
their families in financial stewardship. Man, God loves when men act like men and lead their families. And women, I'm so thankful for the women of God who lead out in integrity and truth and who, and who lead and guide and instruct. I love that. But listen, our jobs, our relationship, our food, our success, our, our, our experiences, our vacations, our bank account will not fill that void. It's not that they're bad. God made relationships, right? So it's not that they're bad. It's just there's something more because everything on this earth will fade away. Everything on this earth will pass away. And what matters is the void, the vacuum in our human heart is filled with the thing that it was created to be filled with, which is Jesus Christ. Church, there's a void in your life that can only be filled by Jesus Christ. Nothing in this world can do it except the bread of life that is Jesus Christ. Man, I don't know about you, but I love Thanksgiving. We're in this weird time of seasons where uh, basically until Easter and then for a long time until July, right, there's only like so many good food holidays. But Thanksgiving is still king of the food holidays, even of Christmas. I think Thanksgiving still reigns. Christmas is, is great, obviously, because Jesus. Uh, but Thanksgiving for food. And man, I, uh, I come from a family where when you go through the line, like you pile, like people, they do like a work. It's a mountainous affair uh, when it comes to like putting it together because you don't want to go back. Um, <laughs> whatever welcome to America I don't know what to tell you and uh, but what happens is in my family we always put the rolls at the end which is such a shame because like that probably took the longest to make of anything in the whole meal we put the rolls in at the end and what happens is a roll is not a good steady shape it's not like a tortilla that you could just set on top of the pile and it would like somehow create a cohesion a roll is tough because what happens is you try to get that bread in a different spot and you have all these things filling your plate and you're trying to put that bread in there or on there and it just kind of rolls off hence roll See, some of us are doing that in the spirit. Like, why can I not get the things of the spirit, the things of God to stick in my life? And it's because you're trying to place him as an addition on your full plate. You've said, I, I give this in my life, and 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 then I'm gonna add the Lord on top. Man, I, I love seeing what the Lord is doing around the world, and I wonder if some of us in the West are gonna miss it simply because we have filled our plate and not left room. Like revival is just gonna roll right off us because we've filled our plate, it's piled up. There's no room for Jesus in our life. There's no room for the work of Jesus in our life because we piled up everything else. And it's not that those things are bad, it just matters how it's formed in our life. I like to think of it like a bread bowl. That's probably the most unhealthy thing you can eat is a bread bowl because it's like literally pasta in bread. But think of the visual if you've been to Panera in the past decade. I think of it like a bread bowl, which is like all this good stuff is contained within the bread. And everything that's nourishing us and good for us comes out of that. It comes out of the bread. And if we begin to pick away and tear away with that bread, guess what? Everything else just, just falls out. It's the same thing with the Lord in our life. Jesus has to be what is the source and the containment and, and the guiding and, and the, the resting place of everything in our life. Finance is good, but they need to rest within Jesus Christ. 
Success, good, but it needs to rest within Jesus Christ. It's not like our plate is piled with success and relationships and all of these things and what kind of home I'm going to get and what kind of car and what I'm going to do with my schedule and my travel plans and then I'm going to put Jesus on top and hope that he sticks. It's like, no, I'm going to put all that within Jesus and trust him to be the source of my life. Are you with me this morning? See, there was a rich young ruler who came to Jesus one time and said, listen, what do I need to do to follow you? He said he recognized him as the Lord. He said, what do I need to follow you? And he said, listen, I've been doing all the good stuff. I've been caring for the poor. I've been following the commandments, everything I've obeyed. I've done everything that the law has asked. What do I need to do now? And Jesus looks at him and he says, sell all that you have and follow me. And it says that the ruler went away sad. See, we want Jesus to tell us exactly what he wants us to do until he tells us exactly what he wants us to do. Jesus, just tell me what I want you to do. He's like, you need to leave that guy. He's no good for you. You're like, what are you saying? Right? <laughs> because we still hold on to things. You know, I love Peter getting baptized today. He said that Jesus, I realize Jesus is the key that unlocks the box that I put my life into the way I've contained it. See, some of us, we're just, we're like Lazarus. We came out of the grave. Jesus began to call us out, but we still want to get wrapped up in the old grave clothes. We still want to get wrapped up in those old things. And he's like, that's not freedom. I don't want to see you walking around in those grave clothes. You're not going to go back to work in those grave clothes. You're not carrying those grave clothes to the family reunion. You need to take those off. You need to take those things off of your life. Allow me to, to take them away. It says that the people came around and began to take them away. We need to allow people to come in and begin to strip those things away and have real conversations with us. Begin to pull those away and say, listen, I'm rooting for you. I'm believing for you because the things that you've tried to fill your life with will not satisfy. Only Jesus will satisfy in filling our life. I don't care if you are a believer for a hundred years or you just walked into church. The same thing is true. If you've begun to fill your life with things that are not of Jesus, you will not be satisfied. Only Jesus can satisfy your life. And here's what's amazing. You ready for this part? Are you ready? Here's the good part. You ready for this? When Jesus touches your life, somebody you know what I'm going to say. When Jesus touches your life, you are never the same. Right? When Jesus touches your life, you are never the same. Jesus changes everything. Jesus heals the brokenhearted here today. If Jesus touches your life, he will heal your broken heart today. Jesus comforts the isolated. If you feel lonely, if you feel forgotten, if you feel unwanted, Jesus is here to comfort your heart right here, right now, today. And we're here to root for you as he does it. Jesus is here to love the person today who feels unloved. You're here today. You can't even love yourself. He says, I'm here to love you. In fact, I've been loving you. In fact, you're here because I love you, and I came to share how much I love you. Jesus sets the captive free. Man, if you're trapped in your mind, if you're trapped in addiction, if you're trapped in patterns, guess what breaks the chains? It's not your will. It's his will be done in your life on earth as it is in heaven. He brings joy. Someone needs to hear today. He brings joy even to the heart that is mourning, that he sees you in the quiet place. He sees you in those moments of suffering. He has not left you, forgotten you, or forsaken you. He sees your heart, and he says, if you encounter me, I bring joy into your life. 
Not only that, when Jesus touches your life, he fills you with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that rose Christ from the grave, he touches your life. Hear me, church, Jesus changes everything. Jesus changed. You don't need to know everything to know that Jesus changes everything. That it's a life-changing and eternity-changing encounter with him. In fact, can I just encourage you, if you're at a place where you feel like you have to know everything before you do anything, that you need to shake off that analysis paralysis and step into the freedom that God has intended you in relationship. And trust me, that's going to be good for the rest of your life. That the Lord is going to speak to you. He's going to begin to break things off of you in your life. Man, you guys can come up. And that song, Jesus Loves Me. Jesus Loves Me. So I know for the Bible tells me so. Sing that with my my kids. My son just like yells when he sings at night. He just he's just into it. But I love it. It's just it's so pure. It's so good. Some of us we need to kind of get that that Henry attitude with that. Jesus loves me because the word of God tells me so. He says, Bible. He's like firm on it. Some of us we need to get firm on that in our life. Jesus loves me because the word of God says today. The word of God says revival can be alive in my heart. The word of God says Jesus came to change everything. The word of God says if I lay it down to him, I don't have to be a slave to anxiety. You know how you recession-proof your life? I keep saying things. Recession-proof your life. Recession-proof your life. Recession-proof your life. I get wisdom is good. Here's how you recession-proof your heart. Is that Jesus is everything for you. So you can walk through anything because Jesus is everything. You talk to some of these incredible saints and believers we have here in this church who have walked through seasons of life, they will tell you the reason they were able to face it is because Jesus was everything. Man, maybe church, maybe if you've been watching the news, you know, maybe the Lord is allowing things to be stripped away in this nation so that comfort would stop being an idol and that God would sit on the throne and that as a people we'd begin to say Jesus is enough. When was the last time the church of God said all I want and all I need is Jesus? Not all I need is Jesus and, not all I need is Jesus if, but all I want, all I need is Jesus. You know what revival is? You've been seeing all the great stuff about revival happening in this nation. I know my good friend Carolyn Tennant's always posting about it. It's awesome. It's amazing. Young people, Thank you, Gen Z, for believing in uh, what God wants to do. And we'll gladly, as millennials, take the trickle-up effect of your passion for the Lord and your free time to just fall on your knees and worship. I love it. I love what God's doing as revival. If you didn't know, revival is just moving in powerful ways in universities, schools, and churches. So people have asked me, like, what, what is that? What does that look like? Here, let me tell you in the context of what we're speaking on today. Revival is when the hunger for the bread of life takes over your heart. When the hunger for the bread of life takes over your heart. When you won't take anything less than him and you won't hold anything back from him, when all you want is him and all you need is him, then revival starts right here. Can I tell you that he's here to bring that revival to your heart? He's saying, come to me, eat, be satisfied, be satisfied, be made whole. Maybe for you, it's for the first time you have never experienced the hope and healing of Jesus Christ. And he's here today to say, listen, the old is gone, the new has come. I'm here to bring you new life that that void in your heart and in your soul would be filled.
He's here today to fill that. Maybe you're here today. Man, you're like, you know, I've done the song and dance, but there's just an element of worry in my life. There's an element of, of distraction in my life. And you know what? As I search my heart, and as the Spirit's been searching my heart in this message, I'm realizing that, that, that it's hard for me to say all I want is Jesus and all I need is Jesus, but that's really what I want. I want a heart that hungers for the bread of life. That that hunger for the bread of life would overtake my heart. If you're here today, I don't think it's an accident. I think God has brought you here because he longs to move in that moment. As you say, all I want is you, all I need is you, that he longs to move and stir in that place. Church, who's ready for that? Who's ready to shift their life out of survival into revival? Not because of circumstance, but because of heart posture. Who's ready to say, Jesus, all I want is you? Who's ready to say, you know what, I don't, there's a lot I cannot control, but what I can do is I can place my heart upon Jesus. Who's ready to see the altar full of people who just long, long for Jesus to move, who long for hearts to be sold out for him? Who's ready for that? Who's ready in, in your life to shift out of a place of saying, God, I feel like I've made you an addition. I, I put you on, uh, on the sign to say, God, I want to make you everything. And in making God everything, you see God move in everything. If you're ready for that, then here's what I want us to do together. Let's just stand together this morning. The band's singing this song about the Spirit moving. Love it. The Spirit's at work here. In fact, would you just, maybe you need to close your eyes right now and just focus on the Lord. The Spirit's moving right here, right now in this place. Right here, right now in this place, in this moment. I just want to be still right now. Right now, and just wait on him. Listen to him right now. He's speaking to you. To some of you, he's just saying right now. Come to me, all who hunger and thirst, and you will be filled. Some of you, he's asking the question is, am I really what you want and need? Because I want to meet with you here today. I want to meet with you here today. Listen, if you if you would say today, you know what? Jesus has not been the focus of my heart. Here's the awesome thing about Jesus. Right now, with your eyes closed so your heart is focused on him, here's the amazing thing about Jesus. He does not call you out to shame you. He calls you out to renew you. See, this is a place of freedom, not a place of attack. It's not a place of being put down, but a place of being lifted up. So Jesus is calling you out today. If you'd say, I need to be made new. I need to be made new. I need to just focus and give him everything. And you're here to say, as a church, and church, I hope we're ready. You would say, I'm ready to give Jesus everything to make him my hunger. And maybe for you, you're like, I need the Holy Spirit to put that in my heart, to be that hunger. So if you're here, here's how I'm going to invite us to respond. And I'm going to invite us to respond in a moment of worship. And I'm going to invite you, if you're in that place, First and foremost, if you're here and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you're here to say, okay, I'm ready, I'm here. 
I want that, that, that vacuum in my heart to be satisfied. I want that to be filled. I, I've been looking for the answer. I didn't even know what it was. I've been searching, but I'm here, and I'm in this place of, of soft-heartedness, and I'm ready for God to move, and I need him as my Lord and Savior. If you're here, and you're ready to make the best decision of your entire life and choose Jesus as your Lord and Savior and say, yes, Jesus, I follow you, and walk in that freedom. Would you just lift your hand and put it back down? Jesus, I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Awesome. Let's pray together this morning. Jesus, we thank you that if anyone is in you, they're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. We thank you, Jesus, right now that if anyone is in you, all the old sin, all the old shame has passed away and the new has come. The new has come right now in this place and we pray freedom over their life. Okay, right now. Hope you're ready. If you're here and you're saying, Jesus, I'm hungry for you, I invite you right now, just come to the altar. Jesus, I'm hungry for you. You're all I want. You're all I need. doesn't matter if you've been in church eight million times, but today you're just in the place of saying, Jesus, I'm hungry for you. I just invite you, just come forward. We're going to pray together. A hunger. Holy Spirit, we pray, stir a hunger in your church right now for more of you. Holy Spirit, for more of you. We hunger and thirst for more of you. We say, Jesus, you're all I need. Jesus, you're all I want. And Jesus, we would even say right now, if we would look at our heart and say, you know what? Other things have taken that place. We repent even right now. We lay it down and we say, Jesus, you're all we want. Jesus, you're all we need. We welcome you. Stir up a hunger. Just invite him right now. Stir up a hunger right now. Okay, we're just going to stay in a moment of prayer. Wherever you are, just stay in that moment of prayer. Just stay in that moment of pursuing him. In fact, if you're on my team, you can just pray over people. We're going to enter that space of praying and operating. We don't have to end one moment for the next. But uh, Madison said that she wants to get baptized. So we're going to baptize Madison. So we're going to stay in this moment together. We're going to go back in. But Madison, come up here. Everyone just stay, stay right where you are. Don't, don't feel like you got to move. Come on all the way up here. Okay, Madison, why are you getting baptized? Um, I just felt God telling me to stand up and do it. So I just said, okay, let's go. Awesome. Let's do it. Awesome. Okay. Lord God. Awesome. Lord God, we just thank you right now for Madison. 
This is, this is a visual testimony of what you're doing in heart. So I not only pray for Madison, but everyone up here who is longing for an increased hunger for you. God, that this is a catalyst to that step as a church right now, that you're calling us out to take steps. I thank you for her obedience. And God, I thank you, God, that there is a sense of when we are raised, we are raised to life. So we declare life over Madison. We declare freedom over her in her mind. We speak and we prophesy over her mind that it is under your authority. It is under your anointing that she is full of the Holy Spirit. And I pray even now that she would grab hold of that hunger for you that doesn't come from feeling like she has to earn anything, but comes from recognizing that you have given her everything, all of your love, all of your hope in her life, that she is precious to you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Come on, let's just go back into that place. We hunger, Lord. We thirst for you. Holy Spirit. We seek him this morning. You're all we want. That's our hunger, Lord. You're all we want. Holy Spirit. It's our prayer. Holy Spirit. Come on, if you're hungry this morning, on us, you're all we want. You're all we want, Holy Spirit, we invite you. Stir up a hunger right now, right here in this place. Oh, may we reflect heaven right now in this place. You're all we want, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come rest on.
know you feel the Holy Spirit moving powerfully this morning. We are a church that believes in the New Testament. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe there should be an operation for today. We, we encourage it. We're growing in this. And one of the things that we, we've learned over many years is that you have to create a culture where you can practice and experiment the gifts. And sometimes we're on, sometimes we're not. But we have to at least trust that we're hearing from God and by faith step into that. And you can judge whether or not a word is right or wrong, but we won't ever know unless we do what? We're obedient and we're learning. I felt like in, in first service, the Lord gave me something and didn't feel like it was for that service, which means it's for us this morning. And we, I think we've all agreed that we're hungry. We want more of God. We want, we want our hearts to be just the capacity to love Jesus in even greater measure is there with, with, with us. But there's a couple of things I, I feel like the Lord gave to me that I want to share with you. And if by chance this is, this is for you, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. We never would do that. We're just going to pray for the lid to be removed from you so you can, you can experience the Father the way that we believe he's, he's asking you to and drawing you into relationship with him. And I felt like the Lord showed me that there's a few people here this morning, maybe more than one, a few people here this morning that you feel like every time you have a moment with him, you're hit a ceiling. You can't break through. If like you keep hitting it, you keep hitting it, you keep hitting it. And, and, and there's times when you get very discouraged. You look around, you're like, look, at they're getting the breakthrough. How come I'm not getting the breakthrough? I want what they've got, right? And that's good because you're hungry. But this is what the, the Lord showed me. He said that for someone here today, unforgiveness has become an unwelcome intruder in your life. You desire the more of Jesus, but the, the ceiling you keep bumping up against is unforgiveness. Today is your day of breakthrough. Your ceiling, your ceiling is now going, is going to become your floor, launching you into an amazing new space of relationship with Jesus. Now hear me, that's very personal, I know that. And we, we are here for you. If you want to come and confess that and say, I've got this person in my life that I just have never been able to forgive, I'm telling you, without you being able to forgive them, you're going to continue to hit that ceiling. But today you need to allow God to give you the courage to say, I forgive this person. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean, Pastor Josh, that you, for, you forget about that thing necessarily. It just means you're, you're no longer going to control it and you're going to let the bread of life, Jesus, take control of that situation. So would, would you pray with me about that? Father, thank you for what you're doing in this house. Thank you for the spirit of God that we sense moving in this place. And now God, we bring to you right now in your name, anyone in this house who has struggled to forgive a mom or a dad, a spouse, a sibling, someone that's in their life in the church that did something against them and they've held that against them for a long, long time. In the name of Jesus, we speak life over you right now and may the joy of the Lord become your strength. May you speak that name out right now and say, I forgive such and such of whatever it was and then leave it at the cross. Leave it at the cross and allow the resurrection power of Christ to, to uh, give you the courage to move forward. So thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you. 
And the second one I struggle with because it's a little heavy, kind of heavy revy here, but let me, let me at least speak it and we'll just see where it goes, okay? I believe the Lord revealed to me something in the supernatural that there's someone here, and I didn't get this in the first service, so that's why I'm speaking it now, and I, I wasn't sure if I should, but I'm going to. You have, you have consulted your horoscope on more than one occasion. And, and you, you get on your phone, you, you look at your, your sign. I know what the signs are. I think, I think I might know what mine is. I don't even know what they are. And, and you have a sign and you read your horoscope as though that's kind of giving you direction. But I, wanna, I want to speak to you this morning. I'm giving you caution that the Lord is knocking at your heart's door right now and he wants his voice to be the loudest voice in your life. And you need to right now re reject that, repent of it, because the scripture is full of examples about how we're not to look to anything but Jesus. In other words, the opposite spirit of the Antichrist or the evil one. You're not to consult mediums or witches or why? Because it's a spirit of witchcraft that tries to get you to be something that God's not called you to be. So Father, I speak over anyone in this house today that's consulting or looking at something they shouldn't look at to, to give them direction and wisdom in their life. Even I hear the Lord say, you've looked at this or looked at something like that for direction in your job. And the Lord said, I'm preparing the perfect job for you. Do not look left. Do not look right. Do not look behind you. But keep your eyes fixed on me, Jesus, for I am the author of your faith, and I will direct your steps, says the Lord. Well, as the Lord is moving, I just want to invite you that if the Lord is moving in your life right now and his work is not finished, don't finish it for him as we dismiss, but allow him to continue what he's doing, whether you're up here or in your seat. This is, this is a church. This is what we're here for. So if you feel like, man, the Lord is still speaking and I want to dwell in that, I really want to encourage us. Let's make this a place of worship even as we close in our hearts. As we dismiss today, I want to say um, that the work of God is not dismissed. So engage is whatever you need. We're going to be here together today. But I want to say, uh, man, what an amazing thing the Lord is doing. Amen? Amen? Man, can I just say, church, get ready for what God is going to do even more. Because the anticipation and preparation is leading to something even more. As he's calling our church out, even out of this building, I believe it's because he wants to expand our vision for the kingdom beyond what this building can contain. So I want to pray over you and send you, Lord, I thank you for your church. I thank you for my church family here today. And I pray, even right now, a blessing as they go. I pray a blessing on their heart and upon their life and encouragement in their spirit that they would go out knowing that you are with them and you are for them. And so we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. All God's people said, amen. We're going to have the band continue. Please just take that connection card in your offering. Drop it in as you go today. Be blessed. And then we will see you uh, at small groups this week. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.